Hello and welcome along to this week's episode of the Total Fertility Podcast, where we explore the minds of experts from all different walks of life. Our aim is to make your fertility journey just that little bit easier. I'm Ed Coates, a consultant gynaecologist, a fertility specialist and co-founder of the website totalfertility.co.uk where we connect you to all kinds of resources that will inform you, empower you and help you on your way to finding your fertility. Now this week, sticking with the theme of sports and exercise, we thought it would be important to address female fertility and how much is too much and what exercise levels should I be doing? This is a really difficult question uh, to answer. Following on from watching the Tokyo Olympics and the Paralympics and seeing people competing at the very highest level, people that are absolutely committed to sports and exercise every minute and day of their lives, it uh, does bring the mere mortals uh, ourselves into questioning how much should we be doing? Are we doing too much? Should we be doing more? And I think it's always hard when you are going through a fertility journey and trying to conceive to also address that balance and getting the right balance is incredibly difficult. We're very lucky to be joined this week by Ellie Cormis. Now Ellie is uh, somebody who's had her own fertility struggles but uh, was also for 10 years competing at the very highest level in sport. Obviously when she retired from athletics, Ellie having been a Great Britain pole vaulter, a British record holder as a junior, having competed at the Commonwealth Games, Ellie then went into coaching but then starting a family was something that Ellie always wanted to do. And this for her was uh, obviously the next step, um, the next challenge. And somebody who'd been challenged continuously throughout her whole athletics career, it was a major challenge for her. So we're so grateful that we've got someone with an experience of a career in sports and exercise, but also someone that's had a very personal story as well uh, with fertility. So I'm so delighted to have Ellie Cormis with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ed. It's great to be here. Uh, we go back a long way. I've known you from the days when I actually used to do a bit of athletics, but obviously not quite to the level you did. But you are somebody who has um, achieved an awful lot. Um, you're very modest. You're somebody who's uh, competed for Great Britain for a number of number of times. You've worn the British vest. You've been to a Commonwealth Games. You've got to be incredibly determined and mentally tough to, to break the British record, I imagine, as well. What would you say... Um, you know, from your journey as a young young athlete, um, or, or even just a young child, um, how did you get there? What 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 took you there? Because um, to compete on the world stage, to do what you've done, you don't just get there overnight. So, could you tell us just start by telling us a little bit about your journey to becoming a, a top athlete? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll give you the short version. I was very lucky in that I attended a school that uh, really encouraged people to take up sports and try new things. So my journey started as a school age uh, athlete, kind of age 15, 16, doing various sports. Um, I got the opportunity to try pole vault as a 16 year old and and just fell in love with it. Um, And then ended up training at some specialist facilities. kind of worked my way through the ranks as a junior um, and then ended up breaking the British record by 30 centimetres in the year 2000, which was quite a big deal at the time. It was a new event for for women. It was the first year it was held in the Olympics and it was the first year it was held as a a female event in the World Junior Championships. So um, I got to travel out to Santiago in Chile with the Great Britain team. Uh, where I competed in in this fantastic stadium and um, uh, competed in the final, um, 
did reasonably well at the time. Um, and from there, I just progressed through the ranks, um, you know, as a junior, as an under 23, uh, went to the European Senior Championships, went to the Commonwealth Games, um, won the British Championships. Um, had struggled with a lot of injuries, but I think probably the highlight of my career certainly was the Commonwealth Games and uh, um, winning the British Championships. Uh, so I, I was always striving for the Olympic Games, didn't quite get there. But, um, you know, I, looking back on my career, I can say I was pretty satisfied with that. Um, you know, from a training perspective, there's a huge number of factors that influence how well you do. I think from a personal perspective, I think m my biggest uh, quality was just pure bloody determination <laughs> and, and persistence. So, you know, I was a very tenacious child, really, you know, wouldn't give up on things. Um, and, and that's probably got me to where I got as possibly not the most talented athlete in the world, or certainly not the most talented athlete, but certainly one of the most determined and, and hardest working and determined to be get the best out of um, what I could give as a person. I definitely remember when we met, when you were training, um, this is many years ago, down in Horsham, um, down in the south of England, um, just how determined you were and, and how disciplined you were with 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 all of the sessions and what had to be done to to obviously get yourself into peak fitness um, and there's a lot of skills involved as well as just fitness um when you were when you were sort of training it did your hormones i mean because obviously this is a podcast for people who are interested in exercise and their hormones did it ever sort of feature in your in in, in the front of your mind or was it sort of something that sort of crops up every now and again uh, as a woman having to sort of navigate the sporting feel but also having to deal with sort of monthly hormones as well how did that sort of factor for you yeah and that's an interesting question because my, my answer would be very different now as a coach but as an athlete it really wasn't something that was discussed it was it was almost a taboo topic most of the coaches were male um we didn't really look into that aside from how can we best manipulate menstruation to avoid it impacting a competition and that was really you know the, the the biggest factor we looked at you know looking back on that that's that's the wrong approach to take but that's the way we we looked at it um and never did it really cross my mind you know the impact of the of female hormones other than you know you don't want to drink you want to make, make sure you're not impacting your hormones negatively there but having an understanding of you know the huge number of hormones that affect performance of fertility and menstruation mm -hmm. was just something I wasn't aware of and you know looking back you don't know what you don't know and you know I, I really really knew nothing I was very ignorant um, and I think you know back in in that kind of time the two early 2000s I don't think many people were particularly aware of the impact of you know hormones both on fertility later in life or um, in, in terms of performance and you know and birth control and how you could manipulate that to impact performance you know the only comment I remember having was having had a fair number of scans on my back due to stress fractures one of the one of the doctors did say to me you know I don't think it's healthy for you to have this many scans as a you know a reproductive age person mm -hmm. um, in that area because it's L4 pars fracture um, so they were mildly concerned about that but beyond that it really wasn't discussed Ed which is you know things have changed since then but that's that's the way it was back then. And I mean, that's obviously in, in sort of peak performance and sport, but of course that will have translated, I'm sure, for many girls and young adults going through school-age sport and across, across exercise and sport as a whole. It's, I think it is something that's changing. You said that, I mean, you obviously went on from when you retired from sport to, to kind of coach at the very top level as well. Do you, do you think things have changed in that area um, over the last sort of 10 years? Yeah, hugely so. And I think part of that is athletes being 
more aware, I think more female coaches raising the topic. And I think generally the taboo has been lifted um, alongside, I think, more of a professionalism of coaching in, in track and field. Mm -hmm. It used to be a very volunteer based sport and, and that's no slight at all on volunteer coaches. But I think the, the, the level of understanding of the impact of so many factors that influence performance has changed significantly. Um, and I think athletes are hugely more aware of, of what impacts performance, you know, and, you know, high level athletes speaking are out about the impact of their period on performance has, has led to a number of athletes, including the girls I coach, starting to be more interested and, in, you know, more comfortable asking questions about it, you know, um, and starting, to, you know, I, I, I would be comfortable discussing it. They'd be comfortable asking questions and we could direct them to the appropriate care providers you know if they're having issues with periods um and, and help them get answers where i think a lot of the time previous to that it was kept quiet or people too embarrassed to talk about it um so i think we are moving positively to kind of changing kind of the stigma or taboo on that i think yeah and it's interesting because i mean it's certainly as a practicing sort of gynecologist and fertility um doctor i don't see that many people coming to talk about these sorts of things it's really interesting you'd think we all exercise we all play a lot of sport but actually the number of people that come to actually consult about this type of thing where there is actually things you can you can do as you say and discuss discuss sort of ways to change things and things you can try to alter to optimize things for uh, for people it, it, it's um and i don't know whether that's a lack of knowledge or whether that's uh, as you say is just something that's gradually changing um when you were an athlete um do you think your hormones played a much with difference in terms of uh, played much of importance uh, i should say in terms of your actual performance yeah, I mean, I can't give you, uh, you know, an objective measure, but subjectively, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, all I knew was, okay, I know birth control impacts periods and I know periods impact performance. So mm -hmm. I went to the doctor and asked to be put on, on birth control. So, you know, you could you could manipulate when your periods happen because I did feel worse during, you know, menstruation if I was competing. And mm -hmm. if you're at a big championships, you don't want to take that risk. So, uh, you know, I'd run over two, two packs of, pills for example when mm -hmm. you weren't really meant to and just you know to stop a period and, and things like that um, and that was just through my research or you know on the, be the beginnings of the internet but obviously that's not great for you and I'm sure it has an impact but you didn't really think that much further ahead as an athlete at that point you know you just wanted to you know get to the next competition and compete as well as you could so you do tend to have a little bit of a short-sighted approach as an athlete or maybe that's the wrong word more of a single-minded approach you don't necessarily consider the factors down the road so you know in terms of hormones did I understand that you know the full range of hormones that impact performance absolutely not all I knew is I know I have a period every month I know I feel worse when I have it how can I minimize the impact on performance and that yeah. was really as basic as, as it was at the time because mm. um, yeah. it's that symbiotic relationship between performance and hormones and whilst you can exercise and your performance can be affected by your hormones it, it works the other way as well and actually some people who over exercise or, or even under exercise in fact can can have find that their hormones change as a result too which is is, is something mm. that not everybody necessarily knows and i suppose nutrition as well i'm i remember as a, as an athlete as well <laughs> the we, we tended to be um some were better than others uh, we tended to be quite clear about what we had to eat and what we couldn't eat put into our bodies so you do become quite obsessive don't you think as an athlete in terms of what you eat and what you don't eat and that nutritional side of things did that feature quite as a major part for you as an athlete and then obviously going forwards as a coach yeah absolutely you know i was I was very keen to maximize, you know, what I could do with my body and knowing I wasn't the most talented person. So I did a lot of 
research into nutrition. It was all around sports nutrition. And, and sadly, a lot of the, the things that came back would, you know, the classic old school model of like load up on the carbohydrates and that should form the basis of, you know, your plate, et cetera, et cetera. So people were chowing down plates of pasta thinking that was the best thing for them. Um, you know, and knowing what I know now, that's that's obviously far from optimal. So mm -hmm. what people knew as athletes and what people perhaps know as athletes and young athletes versus the reality uh, is very, very different. Um, you know, having worked with a fertility nutritionist in, in my attempt to conceive, you know, realizing my ignorance was, you know, quite a painful experience, thinking I'd been doing the right thing for all these years and actually, gosh, realizing, you know, both in terms of supplementation and in terms of diet, uh, in terms of environmental toxins, in terms of household toxins, all these factors that you just don't even consider. Yeah. Um, you know, RDA amounts on vitamins, is that, is, is that baseline to stop you getting ill or is that optimal? You yeah. know, and those two, those things are two very different um things to consider so there's a lot of things again like i said that i didn't know i didn't know uh, until the kind of the fog was lifted by working with someone someone else in, in fertility and i've actually directed some of the athletes i used to work with to start looking at fertility nutrition just in terms oh, of their own health and moving forward because i said you know you do a far better job as an athlete working along these guidelines than you would following some of the sports nutrition guidance that's out there and again this isn't a slight against all sports nutritionists there's some great stuff out there but if you rely on some of the stuff you read on the internet uh it can definitely take you down the wrong path you've got to be a little bit discerning about uh, what you do with with your own research i think yeah that's so true that advice and in fact that was touched on in our episode on male fertility and sport as well in fact um that, that same issue arose there you talked there about obviously fertility importantly and your own fertility um your own story of fertility is um, was one which was was difficult as well. And I suppose being a disciplined, obsessive athlete, you probably were were well sort of placed to be able to kind of mentally try to cope with with what you had to go through. Um, are you able to sort of share with us what 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 your story was in terms of um, how you managed to to get across the line in terms of having children? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I stopped competing when I was twenty six. Um, and I didn't try to conceive until I was, gosh, how old am I now? So it would, it would have been 35-ish, okay, yeah. 35. And between that time, you, you know, your, your main concern is not getting pregnant. And throughout athletics, your main concern is not getting pregnant. When the, when the thing shifts, when you're ready to start a family and you want to get pregnant, you know, as an athlete or an ex-athlete, I thought I was, you know, pretty healthy and it would happen very quickly. Um, and it didn't, you know, my partner and I, we tried for a year um, and I took some tests and everything seemed okay. Um, we got pregnant twice and miscarried twice, um, you know, which to me as an athlete, having tried to control everything was, was quite difficult to handle because you're like, you just don't understand why things have gone wrong yeah. you know obviously you you seek counsel and advice and you get you get some answers but you kind of they say keep trying keep trying and you're just wondering why things aren't clicking when you know both of our parameters my husband and i's parameters were, were reasonably okay yeah. so there's no reason why we, we weren't able to conceive and you know why those miscarriages happened i'm not sure uh, just as, if, as as we were starting to consider ivf we actually fell pregnant naturally which was amazing um, obviously the initial concern then is not just getting pregnant, staying pregnant. So, it's, you yeah. know, your heart's in your mouth for, for a number of weeks until things stabilize. And, uh, we had a lovely, healthy, um, little girl who was our first daughter. Um, we then tried to conceive again. Um, we started about a year after that, um, had another miscarriage. Um, then I had an ectopic pregnancy, uh, which ruptured sadly. So I had to have surgery, um, 
And then, um, long story short, again, we looked into maybe starting IVF treatment because now with only one fallopian tube, I was thinking, yeah. gosh, things aren't looking so good. But again, um, the stars aligned. And, you know, just as we were considering that, we... Um, few months later we started working with a fertility nutritionist and very right. soon after that really before we'd actually started doing the bulk of the program we fell pregnant naturally and you know again the same fear of, of miscarrying yeah. you know happened but um we we got pregnant for a second time and i recently gave birth to a, another little girl who's healthy and happy so we ended up um you know on the good side of it but it's you know going through miscarriages and that stress of fertility will i won't i have a child or um, will I be able to have a second child and, you know, will they be healthy? It's it's incredibly stressful. And until you go through that journey, you don't know how all consuming it can be, especially if you're used to controlling all aspects of your life and, you know, put, putting everything you can in to maximize a positive output. Mm. Sometimes you can do all the right things and it still doesn't work out. And I think that's the most frustrating thing. Um, when you're trying to conceive and no one really can prepare you for that and no one tells you about that. Um, you know, even little things like I didn't know <laughs> until I started this journey that you can only get pregnant on certain days of the month. Like I had no mm. clue and that is super ignorant, but I didn't know that, you know, and uh, it's, it's things like that. You're just like, oh, wow. You know, yeah. um, so I mean, that, that was kind of our journey. I think you're right as well. There's so many sort of things that are very basic, which some people will completely identify with there in terms of their knowledge. And we do hear this a lot. Um, and so I don't think you should. You're very, you're, you're, I know you're tough. You do take yourself to task quite a lot, Ellie, in terms of how, how, how well you were you know well when you were competing you really you do push yourself you are tough mentally but some of those traits are obviously fantastic and obviously set you up but as you say there's some of them probably played against you and make it hard for you mentally as well to cope do you think yeah I think so and I think you know there is there is still a bit of a taboo about discussing um yeah. you know fertility and miscarriages and sometimes it's easier just to bury it and get on like I certainly didn't discuss it widely this is the first time I've really discussed it and you know looking back now it's helped me so much to you know work with professionals and you know even things like on Instagram I found some great accounts following um, fertility professionals where you realize you're not the only one going through this yeah. so many other people are going through this and so many other people have been silent um, and when you start to learn that you know the statistics around miscarriages and how frequent they are you just you start to feel a little bit not better about yourself because you can never feel better about a miscarriage but you start to realize you're not the only one going through this and it's not just you mm. um and and that does help to cope with kind of the anguish that goes along with it and it does give you a little bit of hope and it it helps spurs you on to explore new avenues um and so that that was very comforting i have to say no you're right There's, there is actually so much help out there and that i mean it's so great that you are sharing your very personal story because i think that a lot of people listening to this will identify with what you're saying there and um i when you when you became a coach obviously you'd moved away from being an athlete uh, certainly when i left becoming an athlete I, I certainly didn't compete as much but i know you're still in super shape you kind of do 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 i think work out with your athletes as well to try and keep them motivated did you have to look quite hard at sort of levels of sport that you were doing and exercise and the routines did you because you weightlifted as well for a number of years as well you were doing um doing that, that to a very high level what, did you have to look quite hard at that or was it just something you just kept doing yeah, the, I st to be honest, I stopped uh, I stopped training um, and just started exercising more when I when I got married and started coaching just because I had a full time job I was coaching and you know life life got in the way so I really wasn't exercising hard when we were trying to conceive but as you said I, I took up Olympic weightlifting in an attempt to 
kind of compete in another sport. Um, so I trained pretty hard at that in my late twenties, early thirties. Um, did it have an impact on my fertility? I mean, who knows? Cause I wasn't monitoring things. Okay. Um, that well but I certainly can um, attest to athletes that overtrain who I've worked with who struggled with issues with their you know menstrual cycles definitely had hormonal issues uh, a couple of girls I worked with you know I ended up referring to gynecologists um, and you know what was what looked on the surface just like typical problems for teenage girls with periods it was ended up in endometriosis pcos you know and i said to them that you need to consider the impact of these things on your future fertility that might not be something you're even thinking about right now but you need to be aware and i think in the end they got guidance to you know freeze some eggs and and, and go down that route yeah and i think that, it's important people understand that yeah i think that's right i mean there are so many conditions um female conditions such as polycystic ovaries and endometriosis which can be masked sometimes i think by athletic uh, performance by what you're doing with your own body with your hormones either exercising excessively or working out to to really high levels you can sometimes mask that because you, you as you say your periods may stop if you if you lose a lot of weight if you're ex excessively exercising and so it is really important just to really increase people's awareness around sports exercise and and what your body's doing did you ever sort of track your hormones or track cycles or is that something you did sort of more more when you were looking at sort of conceiving or did you not do any of that as an athlete no as an athlete i mean the only way i would be tracking um cycles was because i was on the pill so i take the pill yeah. on a certain day of the month but beyond that no nothing no, no. um you know when i was trying to conceive i brought every piece of technology available <laughs> um to to track things and you know i had a very different um picture in terms of what was going on with my body you know temperatures pulse rates you know all the things that you can get on kind of i used obusense and ava um and they gave me a, a lot of information which i was like wow i wish i knew this when i was competing as well because it would have been super helpful and you know athletes perhaps should look into that because i think it would help females um who are struggling in that area um but now we didn't we didn't track hormones. I think if you were a high level funded athlete, perhaps they would have been doing that. Mm -hmm. But even when I was on lottery funding, um, which I was on and off through that period, um, we didn't track female hormones. I think unless there was a specific reason to do so, it wasn't something that was done routinely. Certainly not for mm -hmm. me anyway. And obviously when you did fall pregnant, um, which is obviously wonderful. It happened twice, as you say, with lots of, unfortunately, sort of lots of uh, highs and lows in the in in between in terms of trying to actually cross the line. Did you did you think much about sport and what you were doing when you were pregnant? You said you sort of hung on, hoping to get across the line, as you know, knowing that miscarriage could happen. Did 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 did, did you sort of go into a shell and not do any exercise? What, how did you kind of go about things? In because you are a sportswoman ultimately, and that's part of your job as well. What did you do when you were pregnant? Yeah, when when I was pregnant, honestly, I was too terrified to do anything because yeah. <laughs> I was worried that it would cause a miscarriage. Um, so it's not like I sat sedate in my chair all day. So, you know, we, we did yeah. walks, we did things like that, but I, I really didn't do very much. And, and I'm not suggesting that was the right thing to do. But for me, it felt like the safest thing to do, just do kind of dog walks, wood walks at the weekend, things like that. Um, I, I didn't really work out, uh, you know, that was partly due to just lifestyle, you know, working full time as well yeah. and coaching. I didn't really have the time. Um, so I certainly didn't exercise as heavily when I was pregnant. When when I wasn't pregnant, we'd get on bike rides and, and I would go to the gym kind of two or three times a, a week and I'd still lift weights. But I, I did it in a very conservative way, yeah. um, not not to the extent I, I was doing when I was training, certainly. So, um, yeah, I, I was aware of the impact of over exercise, certainly on 
on both fertility and you know and and um staying pregnant i don't know what the official guidance is but that was well, i mean that's interesting I we are we are hoping to support uh, to speak to someone in the second part of this episode in fact um around that um the more the physiological side of it and what the, what we do know and what we don't know exactly and what evidence there is but did you feel that there was really clear things out there and instructions about what you should be doing in terms of exercise and sport when you were not only trying to conceive but but pregnant too if there were, I couldn't find them. Interesting, um, yeah. And that's possibly me not looking in the right places or asking the right questions. I don't um, know. You're quite an obsessive uh, sports sportswoman, <laughs> so I, I'm sure if it was there to be found, you would. I, th- I think oh, yeah. it is a difficult area where we haven't always got the easiest amount of evidence, and I think there is definitely evidence evolving, um, as you say, Ellie, and things are changing over the last sort of 10, 15 years. Yeah, um, I mean, I had a call from... Um, an Olympian who came six in the Olympics um, and I won't say what event, but she called me from America an American, you know, asking me for advice on this because she was struggling. She'd just fallen pregnant and she's a professional athlete. And she's like, you know, Hey Ellie, I've been told to speak to you um, because you fell pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And you know, it's interesting that she didn't have anyone either that she felt she could go and ask. And I referred her to some of the resources that my fertility nutritionist had had passed on to me and, and she's she's like wow this is amazing i've never seen anything like this so again i think that crossover between fertility nutrition and performance nutrition for women i think that you know one of the same in essence because you're trying to maximize your the way your body's hormones function yeah um and i think possibly you know my advice would be look into that because i think some of the stuff i learned would have really helped me as, as an athlete even even if you're not trying to conceive at the present time well, thanks, Ali. It's been really good talking to you, and it's so nice to sort of hear such an honest, um, sort of genuine review of what what you've been through, not only in your career as a sportswoman, but also in terms of achieving a family. And it did, you know, it's not had a nice. Not, it does have a happy ending, which is it just shows that with determination, you know, it, it, you can get there. And um, some really great things I think that will resonate with people there who are um, perhaps interested in sports and exercise, perhaps do it not necessarily at the, at the highest level, but do a lot of it, just trying to, to think and dig a bit deeper into the, into that and just be more aware of it. So I think um, really, really great that you could spend some time chatting to us about, about your story. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. And I, I do hope that helps some people, if only a little bit. Well, Ellie is such a determined person that I have known for a number of years. And I'm so delighted that she's come to share with us her story, not only of her sporting uh, ability, but also how she navigated the really difficult road of fertility. Uh, Ellie's story does have a happy ending, but it, there were a lot of bumps in the road for Ellie, I know, um, from what she's just shared there in terms of the multiple miscarriages and the losses that she's had to endure. And of course, you never forget any one of those. And anybody listening to this who's been through that, I'm sure will um, have similar sentiments. Now, Ellie was obviously uh, an athlete working at the very highest level, but um, as I said at the beginning of this, the mere mortals like us, possibly, who are listening to this, um, are just trying to navigate through what level of sports and exercise should I be doing, what can I be doing. I think Ellie's eloquently described there how there has been a definite progression over the years in terms of education, in terms of people understanding their hormones and knowing that there is uh, this delicate symbiotic relationship between exercise our physiology and our hormones and i think what we do need to try and do i think as a, as uh, certainly as doctors and as patients is to just have that increase that heightened awareness about what we are doing definitely don't leave things too late and um, and obviously speak special seek specialist input um, where you can if you're uncertain uh, obviously having a lack of periods or having 
periods that are irregular can be uh, not only related to sport but can be related to other important conditions so it's important for people that are doing high levels of sports and exercise to have that awareness now next time we're going to be speaking with somebody who's a real expert in exercise physiology and someone who has done a lot of research in this area but particularly we're interested in their knowledge on exercise and fertility and reflecting on Ellie's story um, there having that for many years there that uncertainty of exactly what she should or shouldn't be doing it'd be great to get some real current up-to-date evidence now of where we are in this really really important area because many people listening to the podcast will be I'm sure inspired by the games will be that we've been watching and, and maybe not competing at that level but certainly be doing sports and exercise routinely and knowing whether you're doing the right amount and what is the right amount I think is really really hard to know sometimes so very looking for much looking forward to our, our next guest who will be giving us a little bit more information around this really important area of sports and exercise and fertility and pregnancy we really hope you can join us next time uh, thank you for being with us uh, do share the uh, episode if you feel it's been of, of, of use to listen to and of course if you have time do subscribe and review us in all the usual ways thanks again and uh, take care of yourselves be kind to yourselves and we look forward to speaking with you next time <laughs>